is the Nerd Degree. Please welcome your host, Brendan Bennett! Hello everyone, hello, hello, and welcome to the Nerd Degree. Uh, our theme tonight is mysteries. So as you might have imagined, we're going to spend the next 70 minutes discussing Peter Andre's 1996 reggae-infused <laughs> pop song, Mysterious Girl. <laughs> Did you know that on the lyrics website, genius.com, there is only one annotation for Mysterious Girl. And yes, of course, it's good to know that when he says, I love the smell of your Elizabeth Taylor perfume, he's referring to Taylor's 1992 fragrance, White Diamond. But, I mean, what are they trying to hide from us? What, are, what aren't they telling us? I mean, when he says, and no doubt you look so fine, and girl, I want to make you mine. I mean, what does he mean? If there's no annotation, there's no way for us to know. If we have time, we might discuss um, detective fiction, we might discuss architectural conundrums, uh, acronym-based crime procedurals, ancient mysteries, and cozy murders, uh, but we'll see. Uh, but I have a team of sleuths ready to put their nerd credentials on the line for your amusement. So I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves now. I'd like you to say your name, and if you could have the answer to any mystery, just like that, if you could have the answer, what mystery would you like the answer to? Okay, hello everyone. Uh, my name's James. Okay, yes. Back, back in the year 2000, if you were alive. <laughs> um, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. A song came out. And <laughs> Just one. Just one. Just the one song. Um, but it, it, it asked a question, and many may think, many may think, oh, it's, it's, it's rhetorical. But the party was nice, the party was pumping. Yeah. And that question is, and I want to know the answer to it, who let the dogs out? <laughs> no one knows. Are the, are the dogs still out? I don't know. I was where, where are the dogs my, now? I've been spending my time trying to work out who did it. Well, it's been 22 years. <laughs> Okay. Maybe they were puppies, though, like... Oh. Well, if the dogs were a metaphor. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, James. Hi, my name's Andrew, and um, if I could answer any mystery, it would be a mystery that's come up on the Nerd Degree a few times, which is um, from the Fermi Paradox. You know, given everything we know about the vastness of space, where are all the aliens? Oh. I want to know the answer, but only if it's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, actually, that's my rule for tonight. I want to know the answer to these questions, but only if they're good answers. Um, Andrew, we have two Andrews tonight, so thank you, Andrew Keppel. Uh, James and Andrew, you are operating as a team tonight. What is your team name? Our team name is the Colombo Street Irregulars. A round of applause for the Colombo Street Irregulars! Now, as I hinted at, there was a, I have another Andrew right here. Um, Andrew Todd will be acting as the moderator, keeping score and adjudicating any decisions that need adjudicating. Yes. Uh, how are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great. I do not have COVID-19. That's good, yes. <laughs> um, That's one mystery solved. Yes. Uh, yes. Do, do, you, do you want me to introduce do you, do myself you, as well? Please do. 
Hi, my name's Andrew. Uh, and if I could solve a mystery, it would be, I just, like, taking as read that Bigfoot exists. Um, I just want to know, like, what he gets up to. Um, like, what he has for breakfast, and, like, what are his opinions on, you know, the issues of the day, and, you know, that sort of thing. So you don't want to know if he exists because you know he does. I know, I know that he does. Right. As we all do. Duh. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Um, it's, good, it's good to have a, a moderator, a scorekeeper, who is I like to ground, easily taken in. Yeah, I like to grind, uh, to ground myself in reality for these things, so, yes. All right, and over on my right, Erin. Kia ora, my name's Erin, and what I would really, really like to know is why was the Big Bang Theory so popular? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's like the worst People version of a three-camera sitcom and the worst version of nerd culture. Yeah, agreed. And it lasted for 83 years. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a stain we can't wipe away. <laughs> it's certainly something that has dogged the nerd degree over the years. <laughs> <laughs> now, Erin, uh, you're not a team on your own. No, I'm on site. Uh, but through the, the magic of cyberspace, um, <laughs> we have a, another team member, Moata. Kia ora, hello. Um, kia ora, my name's Moata, and if I could solve any mystery, it would be why people send messages to businesses via Google Places that they could easily answer via the Google that they're already in. <laughs> like, what are your opening hours? Google, name of the business, plus opening hours. There you go. It's a good question. It's uh, extremely so niche, but I'm, I'm very online, so it, it just uh, drives me wild. So, Moata, Erin, uh, you're going to be a team. What is your team name? Well, I thought we'd draw from both, like, the golden age of detective fiction, but also a recent 25th anniversary, and uh, we are the Dorothy L. Slayers. <laughs> Round of applause for the Dorothy L. Slayers! All right, it's time for us to get into our first round of competition. So, first slide, please. Uh, this is the mystery box round. This is a round where I create questions that are at first intriguing, but ultimately disappointing. <laughs> that is the mystery box technique. <laughs> so, my first question, uh, this is for either team. Um, who killed off Mrs. White and the gun room and the lead pipe? Killed off all of them. Mm. All at once. That's not what I said. No. <laughs> was it? I mean, the best version of that was the VHS version of Clue, where you had to like fast forward and then fast backwards. Fast backwards, rewind? Rewind? Was it like, were, were they killed by technological obsolescence? In a, in a way. Um, yes, any other answers? What was the question again? <laughs> Who killed off Mrs. White and the gun room and the lead pipe? So as you've enjoyed it, this is a reference to the popular board game Cluedo. Oh, because I thought it was about Betty White for a moment. I oh. <laughs> the answer to this question is, of course, Hasbro. Uh, so, Cluedo was first designed in the 1940s by Anthony and Elva Pratt. 
Um, but in 2016, Hasbro decided to get rid of the character of Mrs. White and replace her with a new character, Dr. Orchid. Was it like kind of PC, backlash, backlash, woke, backlash, backlash, PC? Oh, cancel culture killed yeah. them off. Yeah. C- cancel culture cancel killed, well, killed, killed, killed the white character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if, you, if you'll hate that, you'll hate this even more. They got rid of the original lead pipe, which was actually made of lead, just because it was poisoning people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the so gun place, room, man. yeah. The the gun room was in the original design for the board, but it was uh, removed because it was considered too elitist. <laughs> <laughs> None of the other rooms. Though. No, no. no. <laughs> everyone has a conservatory. But is yeah. this an American game? Because in America, every room's the gun room. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, uh, this was it was a, a British game. Uh, the American version has a different name. It's Called, uh, Clue. Clue. It's called Clue, um, because <laughs> Cluedo is too confusing. <laughs> um, Cluedo? The original weapons uh, in the original design, uh, do you know what the original weapons were? D- were? Were they, like, better and more brutal than the current? Was there, like, the circular saw? <laughs> <laughs> the, um... The stone the, hand axe? Yeah, the gallows. Yes, there was an axe. I'll give you a point for that. Uh, there was an axe, there was a cudgel... Uh, a small bomb. A small bomb? Was there a bucket for drowning? Uh, um, yeah. there, was a, there was a rope, a dagger, a revolver, a hypodermic needle, poison, and a fireplace poker. As, a, as opposed to what sort of poker? As, as a, I guess a, just a game of poker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he died in a game yeah. of poker. Yeah. Next question. Uh, this is a musical cue. Uh, who wrote this song? Just, um, just buzz in when you know the answer. <laughs> no, anyone just jump in, just jump in when you know it. You guys be terrible at hurdles. Um, okay, okay, we'll stop there, we'll stop there. Agatha Christie. Oh. Sorry, Moata, who, who is it? Um, Agatha Christie. Is it Agatha Christie? <laughs> <laughs> Agatha Christie did, did many things. She was apparently one of the first people to surf standing upright. But she, but she did not compose any music in the early 80s. <laughs> she was busy. Is, is it that nobody knows who composed it? You are right. This is um, this is listed as the most mysterious song on the internet. Um, so a German man, man who goes by the name of Darius S recorded the song off the radio in onto a tape cassette in 1984 or thereabouts, um, and then uh, many years later it was uploaded online uh, with the question, "Who wrote this song?" And despite Years of searching, no one has ever been able to identify who wrote the song. Aliens. We're, we're this aliens. is the sign of aliens yeah. that we've been be waiting a... for all along. <laughs> we, we've got the monolith, and then we've got this German song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the aliens were like, put the song down, and then the response wasn't what they hoped, and they just <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, speaking of mysterious songs, 
Um, which shadowy organization is thought to deserve a writing credit for the Scorpions' for the 1995 CIA. power ballad, Wind of Change? Erin? Yeah, CIA. The CIA. Yeah. Um, that is correct. Yeah, amazing podcast. All about it, like digging around, talking to current and ex-spies and the band themselves and talking about the extent to which it was or was not um, a... Uh, a part of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yes. Yeah, rumour has it, yeah. and this rumour was apparently started by the CIA, um, <laughs> that the song was written by the CIA as a psyop to destabilise the Soviet Union, um, possibly because communism can't withstand a poignantly whistled song intro. Yeah. <laughs> According to uh, Guinness World Records, who is the most prolific amateur sleuth? Is this a real person or a pretend person? You'd think it would be a real person, but no, it's a, this is a fictional character. Mm. Nancy Drew? Nancy Drew, no, it's not Nancy Drew. Is it the Hardy Boys? It's not the Hardy Boys. So this is most cases solved. Does Nancy Drew not have a good clearance rate? <laughs> can, you, can you look that up? She Andy? solves all the cases! <laughs> Like, if we find out how many Nancy Drew stories there are. Was it, like, Encyclopedia Brown? Are we, like, looking at young adult fiction, or...? Knowing the correct answer, I don't think that these will... that they'll uh, get up there, but... So... It's such a down Miss Marple is the (laughs) longest-running amateur sleuth, uh, in terms of uh, her... She's got a lot of stamina. She's got the stamina. (laughs) Um, But the, the most prolific sleuth, according to Guinness World Records, is... Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so a, a saturation of yeah. appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I know. If I just need to uh, get a get a you know a good response, just mention Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Um, Two hundred and sixty-four cases solved. Wow. Damn. Did you know that on an episode of Murder, She Wrote? Uh, she solved a murder on the set of a parody of Friends <laughs> called Buds. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that Murder, She Wrote and Friends like crossed over is like when you know that like Oxford University and, and the Aztec Empire were around at the same time. It's like a, they shouldn't exist in the same universe. Yeah. Looks like they're around, it's, there's no full tally, but it looks like they're around 200 Nancy Drew books. Um, Ooh, close. If you were to include movies and TV episodes as separate things, you might, might, it might tip it, I don't know. But it's a lot of Wikipedia pages to go through, <laughs> <laughs> because they're all separate. Ugh. All right, speaking of famous mystery-solving characters, um, which character got their name from Frank Sinatra? Is there like some blue-eyed character who goes by old blue eyes? Is there a song title that... Uh, it's from, it's a reference to the song Strangers in the Night. Mm-hmm. See, now we're all going to go... Yeah, Okay, well actually, let's play the... Strangers in the Night Oh, thanks! <laughs> is it, is it, is it Scooby-Doo? <laughs> it is Scooby-Doo, yes! Yes, according to TV executive Fred Silverman, he uh, got inspiration for the name when he heard... He was at an airport and he heard Frank Sinatra coming over the PA. And um, he thought 
that the line was Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, in fact, it wasn't. It would have been great if there'd been some crossover when then they got him to come in and sing Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? Scooby yeah, yeah. Dooby -Doo. Or if Frank Sinatra was the old man who it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next question. Did you know that Agatha Christie once chloroformed a hedgehog? <laughs> You're just running too fast. <laughs> there's, there's no follow-up. I just wanted to check if you knew. <laughs> I think the answer to that is no, we did not know. So, okay. so did okay, she well, test out the things those points. that she wanted to use in her books? She, well, um, it was like some arsenic, some... <laughs> she did work as a pharmacist, so she did have a of lot course, of knowledge yes. about it. But there was a, a hedgehog caught in a net, mm. and she chloroformed it to uh, so that it... Wouldn't struggle if she's Did she have like a teeny me. tiny little hanky that she yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's just sleep. Writing at her desk, like click, 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 click. The listeners really will really appreciate that one. <laughs> Trans it's, it's about time someone brought some serious mime to know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, that brings us to the end of the mystery box round. And that, that wasn't disappointing at all. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just thought it would be nice to... Andrew, could you give us a little update on where we are with the scores? <laughs> An update? Could you give us a date on where the scores are? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the Columbus Street Irregulars are on six points while Dorothy L. Slayers are on 11 points. Oh, a round of applause for Dorothy L. Slayers. Okay, for this next round, we are going to move into the world of cozy mysteries. Uh, so cozy mysteries are a subgenre of crime fiction uh, in which all the, the sex and violence is generally moved off stage. The detective is an amateur sleuth, and uh, the crime and detection take place in a small, socially intimate community. What's really interesting about these kinds of novels is that they're usually focused around a very specific uh, hobby or something like that. So I've got uh, a few examples of uh, some. So there's a, if we can look at the next slide, we have a quilting mystery called <laughs> Not On Her Life. Murder so foul. Murder so foul. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I got these two ideas for a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, we have the Quaker Midwife Mystery Series, uh, Delivering the Truth. Um, let's see, oh, I like the, the Literary Pub Mystery, uh, book number three, The Malt in Our Stars. Wow. Um, we have uh, a, a mystery where the, the, the person solving the mysteries is a candle maker. Uh, so we have um, Murders No oh, Vote of Confidence. <laughs> But I'm particularly interested by it. there's a series of uh, murder mysteries uh, based around gourd craft, <laughs> uh, including the gourd mother, <laughs> and um, the sequel. The sequel is called Gourd Fellas. Gourd Fellas. Maggie Bruce. Maggie Bruce does it again. Bruce. Um, what what wonderful God. fun like illustrators for the covers of these must have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just so many gourds. Although, going, going through a few of these, a lot yeah. of these are like, um, you know, like stock photos. Um, actually, I'm curious. If there was a cosy mystery about you, mm -hmm. 
Um, so you're the protagonist, so your specific like life is what inspires it. What would your what would your cozy mystery be called? Um, anyway, anyone? Kind of, I kind of? I work I teach at a university, so I think mine could be examinations and exsanguinations. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. There's actually a series of books um, about. Uh, Jackie Walsh, professor of film studies. Um, but uh, but uh, they also have a dog, and so all the jokes are about the dog. Um, anyway, Andrew, what, what would you... Um, well, as an animator, I often stay up late drawing a lot, so I think a book about my life would be The Man Who Drew Too Much. And, uh, on, the, um, on the front cover, the title would be coloured such that the last two letters of man and then Drew would be the same, so it would spell Andrew. <laughs> and then people would see that and be like, oh, I've solved the mystery and buy the book. Wow, and would you yeah. have like a cover where you're sitting there drawing a murder, but behind you, the exact same person's about to come through the window? Oh, awesome. yeah. this, we've got to make this happen. <laughs> um, James, do you have an idea? Yeah, so uh, my daughter Clementine is recently very uh, excited by Sylvanian families. Why wouldn't she? Indeed, be? indeed, they're, they're great. Um, and it's not, it's, not a, it's not a like hilarious title, but mine would be called The Sylvanian Mysteries, but I, it would be me. I'd go into my daughter's room to clean up, and they'd be in, in a crime scene. <laughs> the Sylvanians would be in a crime scene, and then I'd be like, oh, that's weird, clean it up, and then check the paper. What's this in the paper? The exact same crime scene. Oh. So it's like early edition. But it's like early edition, but with the Sylvanian families. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you look at the paper in a life-size, you know, human-sized badge. <laughs> What's the stuff article? Why is it a giant badger like? It's a family of rabbits doing killing people. Yeah, but people are worried about the murders, not about the giant animals no, yes. wearing clothes. <laughs> exactly. Um, Andrew, did you did you have? Uh, yeah, I um, um I just thought of one. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm a I'm a filmmaker occasionally, and um uh the and so yeah, like I feel like. Uh, you would you would just name it after the the method of killing, which would be shot and cut. Oh, that's good. Like it's gilding the lily a little bit <laughs> after the after the shooting, but you know. Could you also have shot, cut, and distributed, and that's oh, about how all the bits oh, of body shoot. parts got like scattered around the city. Yeah. Mm. And then reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right, uh, Moata. Do do you have an idea? Uh, well, firstly, I'm a librarian by trade, so I just want to say all of these would fly off the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> all winners. Um, mine would be obviously set in a library, and I've decided it would be called Texts, Mugs, and Sausage Rolls A Murder in the Library Staff Room. <laughs> and this, is based, <laughs> this is based on some experience that I may have had um, with regards to accidentally using somebody's personal mug instead of using one of like the generic like smoky glass Arcarot mugs that you're supposed to use for a mug and accidentally using somebody's mug that I didn't realise because I was new there and you know the simmering sort of and all those there's always sausage rolls. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, that, that, that sounds like... I'd read that mystery. Um, okay, now, um, we are now going to play a round inspired by titles from Cozy Mysteries. Um, let's see, Erin and Moata, mm -hmm. I'm giving you now the titles from a series of uh, pizza mysteries. The main character is Eleanor Swift, owner of Slice of Delight Pizzeria. But uh, she finds time to solve various pizza-based murders um, throughout that time. So, Moada, I've uh, sent you a list of titles. The way it's going to work yep, is... Uh, you've got them? Yep, I yep. got them. Uh, so, uh, I want you to either read out one of these actual titles or make up a fake title for a cosy mystery. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew and James, your job is to just work out whether they're real or fake. Uh, you'll get a point if you correctly identify it. Mm. You'll get a point if you slip one past them. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to go first? Or okay. Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. First one is thin crust killers. Thin crust killers. Thin crust. Do you think that's a genuine uh, Eleanor Swift classic? It's not. What it's not it funny enough. <laughs> yeah, I think it's real. No fake. It's real. Oh, it's real. <laughs> Published in 2015. Um, Can I get that from the library? Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest in pizza. <laughs> I'm saying fake. If that's not a book, I'm going to write it. <laughs> oh, real? I think, I think it might be. Uh, what you, yeah. What's your reasoning? Yeah, real. Yep. yep, yep. It is real. It is real. Uh, Moata. Okay. Um, death by pizza mouth. <laughs> death by pizza, pizza Sorry, mouth. Sorry, could you repeat that? Death by pizza mouth. Death, oh, of course. Death by, death by pizza mouth. I don't know what a pizza mouth is. <laughs> when you burn your mouth on a pizza? Oh, maybe. Maybe. It's like foot and mouth. Foot and mouth? <laughs> pizza? It's like the foot and mouth. Pizza plays the role of yeah. the foot. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think? I'm, I just go automatically fake. It's my default. <laughs> just so naturally cynical, James. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be real so I can read it and find out what pizza mouth actually is. <laughs> let's, let, let's take a chance on love. We'll say it's real. Yeah. Real? Why no, real? it's not real. Oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. I can tell you, I can tell you that you're absolutely right about what pizza mouth was. It's oh. when you get too greedy and you can't wait for the pizza to cool down, and so you burn the roof of your mouth oh. with the melted cheese. But apparently, that's only a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's have let's have two more. Okay. Yeah. A slice of murder. I think they could be. Yeah, they'll have a good type, a good cover art. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Yep. 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 Released in 2009. Okay, Moata, last one. <clears throat> okay. Um, death for free if delivery takes more than 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I want it to be true. <clears throat> okay. True. <laughs> Please, please, please be true. <laughs> that one's made up. That one's made up. Oh, Moada, why are you gonna? Although maybe like Moada, you could uh, write that one up. Yeah, yeah please I'll do. I'll write it for you. Okay, yep. I'll do that. 
Okay, um, we missed uh, pepperoni pizza, can be murder. And um, <laughs> the missing dough. The missing dough. <laughs> Come on, surely there's some player like John Doe or Jane Doe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be better, actually. They, they, need, they need one called, there's no pineapple on murder. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, so that brings us to the end of the um, cozy mystery round. I think uh, we really picked up the points yeah. last round. Let's go straight into our homework round. So I've assigned each of the nerds a piece of homework um, in which they were to write a piece of fan fiction for a favourite mystery in their own lives. Um, so I don't know what they've prepared, but Erin. Uh, um, Kia ora. Um, what is your uh, what is your mystery going to be? Well, I have a deep, abiding, unironic love of Midsummer Murders. It has been running for twenty five years. Uh, there's been like see there you go, like nearly one hundred and thirty feature length episodes during that time. There was one uh, DCI Barnaby who's just to the left of the middle. And that's John Nettles. He was DCI Barnaby for ages, then he retired, and his younger cousin, also called Barnaby, came in with another <laughs> wife who was involved in every, you know, like um, club and committee in the county and the same little dog and so on. And it's always like, you know, there's middle class white people who are being bludgeoned to death at the Scarecrow Festival because of the, the internal politics of the Begonia Fanciers Club has spilled over into the affair that the barista is having with the guy who makes the mead. So, and I just, I just adore them. So, um, but but I'm, there's been so many of them that I've developed this very convoluted headcanon about, about what must the psychic damage be, of being, of living in midsummer, where these things no, happen yeah. all the time, mm. but it's so kind of benign, and so, so this is, this is something called, what are you doing here, um, about Barnaby, which is always the thing that somebody says before they're like, clubbed over with the, the <laughs> antique urn that great uncle Bertie's favourite cockatoo got put into, so... <laughs> Super moon, blood moon, snow moon, mega demon, wolf moon, who cares which moon? It's a Monday night and the dinner plate moon's as pink as blood-tainted milk and someone's been crushed to death in a tiny toy museum in Midsummer Upton. Accident or murder, you murder to no one, you murmur to no one in particular, peering through the cobwebbed cabinets while forensics do their sweep. Faded cloth peg dolls and embarrassed-looking gollywogs line the displays like kids waiting for the strap. The shop's joy, a massive leering fiberglass rocking horse, has been levered off the corpse and, no surprises there, it's part-time train enthusiast and full-time white supremacist Rufus Scrivener, a walking scowl with gout who'd been campaigning to keep Midsummer British. <laughs> Letters to the editor, flyers at the pub and a particularly nasty altercation with a young mum at the grocer, grapefruit for miles. The county's creeping cosmopolitanism has been sticking in the throats of certain types of locals like oversteeped tea, and you've been compiling a quiet dossier just in case. With so many suspects, the case won't be closed too quickly, even though the body's split wide open. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but is there ever really such a thing as an accident, you ask the nearest officer who smiles at you indulgently? Certainly not in midsummer. Some cashed-up university should send out statisticians or physicists to figure out what cosmic manipulations curling around the edges of the county. In the last two weeks alone, 
A decapitation in a haunted house, spooky. A two-hour hot press cycle in an industrial clothes dryer, as messy as you'd think. A drowning in a vat of marmalade, forensically challenging. An explosion <laughs> in an actual custard factory, an insurance adjuster's nightmare. Death by chocolate, literal. <laughs> you notice a glittering gob of viscera that's landed on the visitor book. It looks like a frozen raspberry that's been left to melt to mush. You poke it with your pen. How do you want to die, you think, again, again, as you slap your latex gloves off into the bin? Something quiet in your sleep, a cardiac arrest while pulling weeds, or choking on a chop, certainly not smeared across an Enid Blyton floor mural, to be ladled back together by some pathologist with dreams of a life in stand-up. Can you be it? No, really, you can't. And your partners keep getting leaner and handsomer. The current one has a glistening eight-pack, an eight-pack. You snuck a mournful look in in the showers after an abortive game of squash. Your knees and hips go crunch when you kneel to pick up evidence. You have to use the big text on your iPad. <laughs> Outside, someone trips and swears, soft laughter from the others. You pretend to understand things you didn't quite hear. You wee a little when you sneeze. There's the rattle of a gurney and the slide bang of a van's side door. You can't even remember the last time you ate, let alone the last time you dreamed. DCI Barnaby, I've found something you should see, one of them says behind you. You stand in a puddle of creamy moonlight and watch the lights dance blue and red across the walls. Sir, you'll need another pair of gloves, she says, insistent. Your skin peels away like strips of rice paper. Your teeth crumble like wet chalk. Sir, should I call someone else? And you turn, suddenly awake but uncertain, and ask her, wait, what am I doing here? <laughs> and sing. Aaron Aronson! Wow. Wow. That was... Existential. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got this idea that there's some, like, malignant folk horror thing going on. Oh. Mm. That... Like, it's all going to end in, like, a Wicker Man kind Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah. In a yeah. Midsummer yeah. Yeah. kind Mid of situation. Yeah, Midsummer <laughs> with an extra M in yeah. brackets. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, actually, that reminds me, James. Yes. You... You were in, not, um, not in Midsummer Murders, but you were in um, Brokenwood Mysteries. <gasps> I was. I was. Uh, uh, I'm an actor. Ah, um, <laughs> oh, that makes sense yes. now. <laughs> oh, of course, Mystery Soul. Um, and I was in episode one of season six, I believe, of the Brokenwood Mysteries. Yes. So good. Yeah, it was fun. It was the, the episode itself was... Um, based in and around, well, well, the mystery was someone exploded in, <laughs> <laughs> someone expo exploded in a portaloo <laughs> at the Brokenwood Steampunk Society's annual get-together. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, and I think the episode's called The Power of Steam. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Yes, I played, I played a character called Tim, who was the owner of the of the Portaloo Company, <laughs> and also the lead singer in Broken Woods uh, steampunk band. Amazing. It's so good. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if anything can follow that, but um, you you also have been assigned some, some homework. Um, what yes. what what mystery are you uh, doing a tribute to? Yeah. So um, back when James was a wee one. I was introduced to this book. 
if you've if you've heard of it. It's called The Eleventh Hour, A Curious Mystery, and it's by Graham Bass. And it is amazing. It's amazing. Um, the premise is, this fella here, his name's Horace, he's an elephant, <coughs> and he's, he's turning 11, he's gonna have a birthday, so he cooks up a feast, invites his friends, his fancy dress, wow, they play 11 games because he's turning 11, um, but, but, someone eats all the feast before they can eat it, um, and then, I don't know, this is them all blaming each other. Um, and then they have sandwiches anyway, but that's okay. But in this amazing artwork, uh, peppered clues and words and codes that you can go through again and try and solve the mystery. It's solvable. Um, and if you haven't read this, my fan fiction is going to spoil the ending. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say that I love that that book looks so well loved. Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, I maintained this from when I was a kid and I read it much to my son. Do, do you read it to your son and you go, and I'll just take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Um, so yeah, 11th hour. I'll put this here so that we can still see it because it's great. Uh, <coughs> okay. Oops, I ripped. I ripped the fiction off. <laughs> That's a clue! That's, That's a clue! That's a bit where that <gasps> makes sense. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Wispy clouds made their way across the starless sky, while down below the moon draped fields with silver satin from on high. Past foggy paddocks and empty stables, styes without a swine. Up the snaking driveway lined with several dozen pines. A long abandoned homestead set with rhythmic swaying lawn, a dried up well from which a drop nary had been drawn. Sitting on the kitchen sill of the dilapidated house sat a tiny form with short white fur, his name Kilroy the Mouse. His small black eyes peered up at that giant wheel of cheese. The moon, that is, beyond the silhouettes of bending trees. Oh, to have, he thought, a wedge of that, or even just a slice. A wheel that size could easily feel, feed a hundred and eleven mice. For Kilroy was the eldest of his siblings, all one hundred and eleven. A job he'd inherited from his mother after she went to heaven. Oh. Come on, he spoke, no time to lose, there must be something here. A thorough search of the pantry revealed that it was bare. His tummy moaned and twisted in a painful, loud protest. Perhaps a morning search, he thought, as he scampered home to rest. Past an old framed photo of Farmer Joe and his wife, the previous tenants of the farm had suffered financial strife. Not a penny to their name, you see. Their bank account was skint. Old Joe had sent it overseas to some Nigerian prince. <laughs> Eleven to eleven, the clock above him proudly read. By the time he arrived at the base, his siblings were all in bed. He checked on every one of them, but none of them were roused. From behind him came a meekful squeak from his youngest brother, Klaus. Any luck? he said, to which Kilroy woefully replied, I'm afraid not, brother mine. 
Well, at least you try. Oh, brother, Klaus proclaimed, a letter arrived today. Kilroy Mouse, abandoned house, 11 Pine Tree Way. Kilroy gave his brother Klaus a quizzical expression. The envelope was sealed in wax with an elephant's impression. He broke the seal, unfilled the note, which was folded up inside. And as he read, his gaze became unfathomably wide. What? said Klaus. Well, what's it say? Who's it from? Don't leave me in suspense. It's from my old friend Horace, of whom I'm afraid has been gifted more dollars than cents. I'm invited to his birthday tomorrow, a fancy dress affair. Klaus gazed up at Kilroy with a wide smile and whimsical stare. As Kilroy read on, his eyes grew teary and his brow began to crease. To end the day, my friends, we shall be treated to a feast. Why are you crying, brother? said Klaus. That will be such fun. I'd love to play and eat and play whilst eating in the sun. Kilroy tucked Klaus into bed. Sleep well, O oh brother mine, for upon the rich and poor alike the righteous sun doth shine. He'd feed his kin, he had to try, with all his vested power. The clock rang out into the night, the eleventh hour. It's an origin story. Yeah, origin it's a story. That's right. Yeah. I thought when I set this homework that I'd get like a couple of dumb jokes, but you both created some real art there. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, Sorry. <laughs> I really pity the person who's going to have to assign point values to <laughs> people's like most heartfelt writings. But Andrew. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Assign point values to the heartfelt writing. Um, I have. Do it, Andrew. Off you go. Do you want to know what they are? I don't want to know my... No. Okay. Or do you want to know what the scores are? Let's get scores then. Uh, currently, the Columbo Street Irregulars are on 23 points, okay. while Dorothy L. Slayers are on 26. Oh! oh. Get Okay. Are, they're closing in. We're gonna we're gonna do one more quick round and then we'll take our break. This next round is called Buildings: A Mystery. Ah <laughs> 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 uh, yes, Mrs. Buildings. <laughs> so mysterious. This is Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, okay. anyway. Um, in this, uh, you, you will be asked to solve some uh, mysteries related to buildings. Um, although the, the questions are really an afterthought uh, to the setup. So, uh, can we, uh, can we have the. It was totally worth it. Yeah. First picture. Um, in the, on the east coast of uh, North America, uh, a lot of buildings have these diagonal windows. Uh, does anyone know why? Are they for ghosts? You are close. Close, because lots of weird architectural features are for ghosts to fly through around. Almost the opposite of what people out. So do they put it that way? So is it to stop real living people? (laughs) So these are called witch windows. um, And it is believed that witches can't go through diagonal windows on their broomsticks. What do you mean it's believed? <laughs> it is, it's, I, I don't think there's any like control tests or anything like that. Oh, you don't read the same journal that I do. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next one. 
this building up here. So we're looking at the Temple of Zeus in Athens. Um, but you'll see that there's a building on the top of the pillars, seemingly balanced there. Um, does anyone know why that building is there? Because someone forgot to knock it down? So it's not part of the original um, construction. Was it so that someone could get the best possible view of the building next to it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a fantastic view. So this um, they, they put some, they put oh. something up high because they didn't want the British to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, I'm gonna have to get a ladder for that. No, get oh. some of this ground level stuff. So like the way I always put the chocolates in the cupboard up high. Um, That's all. I want that building. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a a kind of uh, Christian sect. Uh, called the Stylites, um, or also known as the Pillar Saints. Um, so they believed that living on the top of tall pillars brought them closer to God. The higher the hair. Um, mm. So yeah. can we have the next slide? Um, so they would, uh, they, oh. would uh, they would live at the top of pillars. People would like, they could like bring food up on a string, um, but they would, uh, yeah, they would live their lives at the top of these That pillars. guy's got an eight pack. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you going to do up there about, apart from crunches? <laughs> is, that, is Jesus giving them, like, passing them notes? Like, oh, thank God you're so high. You, yeah. you, pu you pull it up, do you like me? Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Get to do the little... Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay, that brings us to the end of the Buildings a Mystery <laughs> Road. <laughs> Um, so, um, before we go into our break, Andrew, <laughs> from uh, that high scoring round, <laughs> that that scoring round. yes, um, but, but like, just as you say, just give it, a, give it some real drama. The Colombo Street Irregulars are sitting pretty at 23 points, <laughs> while Dorothy L. Slayers have incrementally crept ahead via a good attempt at an answer <laughs> to 27 points. Yeah. Alright, yeah. give the both a round of applause. We're going to take a, like a five minute break. We'll be back for the second half. See you then. <laughs> Alright, welcome back everyone. Uh, we are into the second half of uh, our mysteries episode. I know that some of us are still bummed out thinking about the dogs from Who Let the Dogs Out. Um, but let's, uh, let's forge on. I want to think about the, uh, like the crime procedural franchise TV shows. So I have a challenge for the two teams. And um, we will start with you, uh, Colombo Street Irregulars. Um, I want you to just name a crime procedural franchise TV show. And I want you to go back and forth and oh, see shit. who can... <laughs> the, winner, the winning team will be the one who can name more. That's it. That's all. So, start us off with one. Right. Uh, NCIS. Law and Order. Criminal Minds. Law and Order is for you. <laughs> Bones. Yeah, I'll allow it, yeah. Psych. CSI. Crime Scene Investigation. <laughs> CSI Miami. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> what's that, what's that, what's that? Moata, feel free to chip in. <laughs> CSI Los Angeles. Uh, 
there. No, I'm yeah, sorry, sorry, there's no CSI law. Is that Law and Order Los Angeles? Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Law no, and no. Yeah, yeah that's what you said. And, no. there's a, no. and there's an NCIS Los Angeles. Now, there's that with Chris O'Donnell. If, I, if Chris O'Donnell's in it, sorry. Oh, sorry. Andrew. Which um, which of the which of these shows has the most franchises? Like, which which has the most spin-off shows? CSI. I feel like CSI has a lot. Yeah. CSI has four. Is it NCI? New York, CSI, Cyber, CSI Miami. Cyber? Who the hell? What? <laughs> that, was a, that was a short-lived Ted Danson vehicle. Okay. <laughs> what Ted, Ted Danson was short-lived? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, because NCIS for a really long time had been like the number one rating show in the United States for years and years mm -hmm. and years. So did, did that have... Mysterious. NCIS, yeah. NCIS, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Hawaii. There's an upcoming NCIS Sydney. Uh, and is, of that, course, is, is that like they're on holiday? <laughs> yeah. um, and of course, NCIS is a spin off, spin -off of JAG. Yeah. Oh, so there's okay. five plus an upcoming uh, Sydney, but that's not the one with mm. the. You haven't named the one with the most yet. Is it Law and Order? Law and Order. Oh, there's a million of them. Yeah. And, the, and the guy well, who Well, that is not correct. <laughs> but, but the guy, imagine being the composer who composed the dong dong. And that's... That pays oh, the he's, he's raking it in. Yeah, so Law and Order, SVU, Organised Crime, Criminal Intent, Los Angeles, True Crime, and an upcoming Law and Order hate crime. Uh, oh, so yuck. Cool. That one's going to be rough. Everyone oh, wants to tune in. It's famous for its good taste yeah. as a show. Don't worry. <laughs> Everyone wants to I, tune into Law and Order Hate Crime. In fairness, they've been commended for their sensitivity on, on some of their stuff, but certainly not all. But of course, when we think about these shows, we the greatest gift that they have pro provided us mm. is, of course, this man, Horatio Kane <laughs> from CSI Miami. <laughs> and this, <laughs> this is when we bring ourselves to CSY. CSY. <laughs> Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to describe the start of a CSI Miami episode. And I want you to tell me what does Horatio Kane, played by David Caruso, say before he puts on or takes off his sunglasses. Uh, and I've asked you all to bring a pair of sunglasses. Um, so uh, Andrew will give you points if you get it correct, but also points if you can give something that he should have said instead. Um, so uh, so the, the victim was impaled on an ice sculpture at a wedding. Um, the coroner turns to Horatio and says, um, uh, Shot in the light of day in a house filled with people. That's cold-blooded, Horatio. Ice cold. Yeah! <laughs> That's absolutely correct. Um, or actually, it's as cold as ice. Um, so, yes, Andrew, I've assigned you the task of saying yeah after each one. Uh, it's all right, I've already done it. Great. <laughs> All right, uh, so the, the victim was killed in an alleyway outside a speed dating club. What does Horatio say? Now that's what I call love at first flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not correct, a worthy attempt. I got one, I got one. Looks like this date came to a dead stop. 
Yeah. <laughs> Very good. But what he in fact said was, uh, what he didn't know is that sometimes speed kills. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he should have done a, that's what I call stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> These are both prescription lenses, so each time I do that, it's, it makes me want to puke. <laughs> Okay, so um, the, uh, the detective is looking at the, this body of a woman and, and he says, Her friend said she came here to drink mojitos and catch some sun. And then Horatio says, <laughs> Poor bitch dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Correct, no! No! Yeah, t- time to solve the crime. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, so, like, great. We'll just, we'll just record that and then if anything doesn't work, we'll just that's, drop that's it. That's what in. I call a long drink and a short life. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, that's actually that's pretty good. Aaron's just caning it with bonus points this round. All yeah. you gotta do is try. It doesn't yeah. have to Liter- be Literally good. points for effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, her friend said she came here to drink mojitos and catch some sun. Looks like something caught her. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Frank is uh, standing over a dead body and he says to Horatio, no matter how you cut it, divorce sucks. <laughs> we like to split everything in half. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's not it. Not as sucky as being dead. (laughs) (laughs) What I actually did... Your bonus points will have diminishing returns. (laughs) What I discovered researching this round is that the the actual lines don't live up to the memes. Uh, So, uh, however you cut it, divorce sucks. Frank, it's a killer. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What, it's a killer that committed the crime. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no shit, Horatio. Thanks. Okay, so the guy's been killed. He's got a meat cleaver sticking out of his head. He was, he was waiting for his trial. And the other detective says, the jury only had one week before deliberations. And it looks like he's now got a lot on his mind. <laughs> yeah! That's good. That's good. That's not what it is. <laughs> The jury better cut to the chase. (laughs) (laughs) He put he just puts on his sunglasses and he goes, Yeah, it's spin. In a way, that's more or less what he says. Um, The jury only had one week before deliberations. No need now. The verdict is in. Okay, last one. Um, Horatio Kane witnesses a police officer uh, who um, is killed when he opens uh, the cupboard under a barbecue, which <laughs> sets off a hand grenade. Medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. You know. <laughs> wow, that's messy. <laughs> Uh, of course. But was was, was oh, it, a, was it a, a, a cop? Did you say he was? Yeah. 
That's what I call cup suey. Suey. I give Aaron my points, the points I've got. This is actually maybe the one time where Horatio Kane is left speechless. Yeah. Um, and mm. it, goes to, it goes to the intro without him saying anything. Oh. I know, right? Wow. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of CSY. Mm. Um, uh, let's move straight into the Sherlock Holmes round, uh, where we have questions that let us uh, ponder all things Sherlock Holmes and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Which fictional character has been portrayed in film more than any other? Jesus. <laughs> Can we look up how many times Jesus has been portrayed fictionally? Oh no, it's a detective show. Yeah, sorry. Which fictional no. character has been portrayed in film more than any other? Dracula. Correct. Correct. Oh. Oh, nice. Uh, so Dracula has appeared in film 239 times. Uh, how many times has Sherlock Holmes but in a, a film, a mere 226 times. Nub. But if we think about all of the actors who've played Sherlock Holmes over the, over the years, um, here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to name a famous actor. Uh, I'm just going to keep naming actors. I want you to say, stop, if I name an actor who hasn't played Sherlock Holmes in a film. Okay? Christopher Lee, Henry Cavill, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins has never played Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ian McKellen, Johnny Depp. I just like listening to you read. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp has... Well, he played Sherlock Gnome. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> still counts. Still Sherlock counts. Gnomes counts. Robert Downey Jr. Colin Firth. Patrick Stewart. Michael Caine. Neither Colin Firth nor Patrick Stewart have played Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I feel like there's a better way to structure this round. <laughs> no. I mean, look, thanks for, say, thanks for saying that, Andrew, when I've got two names left. <laughs> okay, okay, we got two left. <laughs> Stop. <Yeah. laughs> no, forget it, let's move on. Oh, Christopher Plummer! Stop! No, he played it in Murder by Decree, 1979. Jeremy Irons. Stop. <laughs> No, he's never played. He played it in a Saturday Night Live sketch, Don't which go. is not a film. Which is not a film. Ah. I'm sure that's what you were thinking of, James. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which beloved literary character first uttered the words "Elementary, my dear Watson"? Nobody. What? It's not. A, it's mis a, a popular misquote. I mean, it has been spoken. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> famously, you're right that Sherlock Holmes never said it. But it was said in 1915 by Rupert Smith, the famous P.G. Woodhouse character from Smith Journalist. That's ah. Smith with a P. The P is silent. <laughs> Where is the P in Smith? Smith. 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 It's, it's, it's Smith as in like Psalm or... Uh, ah. it's, it's the P in a Samoa. Oh. Okay. Who is the most famous practitioner of deductive reasoning? 
Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> really, James? <laughs> no, I use my deductive reasoning. As, as everyone knows, Holmes uses abductive reasoning, not deductive <laughs> reasoning, ah. where you operate from incomplete observations uh, to make your uh, conclusions. Um, the most famous practitioner of deductive reasoning might be Aristotle. No, noted detective. <laughs> I didn't say detective. <laughs> Everyone loves that series of Aristotle novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when my cozy Aristotle mysteries come out. Okay. Um. Too much on the Plato. <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, has the first recorded use of one word in the Oxford English Dictionary. Is it hello? Is it hello? Do you think no one said hello before? <laughs> no, no, but, but, but we already started kind of saying hello in terms of like telephony, picky-uppy stuff. Um, you, is it to do with the fact that he was a raving spiritualist? Uh, it's, it's, it's not, no. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that appears in Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm. Oi! It's, it's, <laughs> it's not a particularly common word. No, no. Uh, the word is Grimpen. Oh, of course. <laughs> Grimpen. Grimpen. Yeah. Which, yeah. of course, means... You know, to grimp. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like an 80s fad movie. It's like Grimpen. Yeah, I'm Grimpen. <laughs> Come on, guy. Let's go to the, let's go to the community. Don't mind me. I'm just Grimpen. Grimpen. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have to build up towards like the big Grimping yes, uh, yes, like, yes. Com- competition. No, because with the, the head guy in the gang, yeah. his mother has a terminal disease. They have yeah. to raise, raise yeah, $50,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. to, like to cure her Grimping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they enter the Grimping competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's also like a property developer who's trying yeah. to build on the very spot that they're going to be. Exactly. Doyle refers to <laughs> the Grimpen Mire. Um, and Grimpen is defined as a bog or marsh. So uh, Grimpen Mire is a boggy bog. Or uh, a miry mire. Yeah, a miry yeah. mire. Um, why might you get sued for suggesting that Sherlock Holmes had feelings? Who would do the sewing? I mean, who, who would you be trying? Well, that's who? the question, isn't it? Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> You're getting feisty. <laughs> Does Disney own a version of Sherlock Holmes where he's all about feelings? Uh, no. The, so you'd be sued by the Doyle estate. Mm-hmm. And most recently, the, um, the uh, Netflix was sued for the mm-hmm. Anola Holmes mm-hmm. movie because Sherlock Holmes had feelings in it. <laughs> How is that articulated hey. in like the deed thing? Uh, Moata? Oh, I just think it's much, much more of a problem that Sherlock had, uh, Sherlock Holmes had, like, absolutely huge biceps. (laughs) 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 Henry Cavill does not look like Sherlock Holmes, sorry. Well, you notice he didn't get sued for having big biceps. (laughs) Um, So the argument from the Holmes estate is that although Sherlock Holmes' character is in the public domain, because several of the early stories have gone into the public domain, it is only in the later stories that Sherlock Holmes develops emotions. <laughs> and those stories are still under copyright. So if you portray Sherlock Holmes with feelings, or, by the way, if you portray him as liking dogs, um, then they can sue you because those things only happen in the later books. But, but he might have just liked dogs all along. Yes, but not in the text. Yeah, but he also like. not canon. It's not yeah. canon. He could like dogs and not be emotional, but be like, mm. oh, there's a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Empirically, I approve. Yeah, yeah. 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 
<laughs> Got cool. The Holmes franchise I feel has. Feel like uh, I've dated this person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't have feelings until like five years from now. <laughs> I'm so I'm saving my feelings for the later books. Yeah. Um, the Holmes franchise has gifted us several tropes. Uh, I'm going to name some of these tropes. If you can tell me what any of them mean, uh, you'll get points. Uh, the hyperspace Holmes hat. Hyperspace Holmes hat. That's one. Uh, another, uh, it, another trope is Sherlock can read. And the final one is the Sherlock scan. Scan. Is the Sherlock scan where he scam or scan? Scan. Is, is it where he looks around the room and goes doo, 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 a bit like Terminator with and pure pure and that tells me this exactly you're, right. You're that ah. high and you mm, weigh that much and this is your emotion. Exactly like in the Robert Downey Jr. ones where he does those yeah. analysis of the different people. Yeah. Uh, what about the hyperspace Holmes hat? Is it like whenever he reaches out, the hat just so happens to be there and he can put it on his head? So this is when this trope is used in non-Sherlock stories. Um, Andrew, I, something I feel like you will know this. Um, like the hat travels from one scene to another faster, so he's, it's always wherever he needs it. Sort of like what Aaron yeah. said. So the, the reason I think this is because the image that goes along with the trope is from um, My Little Pony. <laughs> of course. Oh. Um, the hyperspace Holmes hat is when any character starts investigating a mystery, a uh, deerstalker hat magically appears on their head. My Little Pony deerstalker would be a great, like, NCIS <laughs> Next time on My Little Pony deerstalker. Deer <laughs> um, or sometimes a, a pipe will, uh, will spontaneously appear when a character is doing uh, deductions. Uh, Sherlock, Sherlock can read. Is this that he's just, every time he walks into a room, he's holding a book? <laughs> um, no, no. Um, it's when um, okay. Sherlock makes some observation that stuns Watson, or the Watson-like character, and they're like, Sherlock, how did you work that out? You must have deduced this and this and this. Um, and he says, no, no, I just read that. Um, it's on the giant poster on the wall. Exactly. Or he worked out someone's name because they were wearing a name tag, that kind of thing. Why did Watson's wife call him by the wrong name? I, oh, anything we say is going to be <laughs> nasty. Uh, so, you know, famously, in one of the stories, um, Mary Watson, Watson's wife, calls him James when it's established in the very first book that his name is John. So one of those mysterious things where <clears throat> someone's first name is David but everyone calls him Reggie? <laughs> well, what you are engaging in here is what's known as the Great Game, uh, or the Holmesian Game, or the Sherlockian Game. Oh, I see. Um, where, uh, Against my will, I might say. <laughs> <laughs> where a group of um, uh, academics uh, set themselves the task of justifying every mistake in the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> franchise. Academic head cannon. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the word, the word cannon as we use it now uh, was originated by them uh, because they started referring to the Sherlock stories as the canon um, when previously it was only used in um, kind of religious uh, sense. Um, so Dorothy L. Sayers, uh, yep. who you named your team after, she speculated that the reason Mary called Watson James was because um, we know that his middle name was H. It started with H. 
and therefore his middle name must be Hamish, which is an anglicization of Seamus, which is Scottish Gaelic for James. <laughs> and therefore she was just affectionately using his middle name. Yeah. Or just that she was banging the guy who delivers BGs. Yeah, not that. Or that um, Doyle was working to a deadline and also kind of didn't give a shit about his writing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is famous for creating a, one of the most uh, famous Englishmen in Sherlock Holmes. But did he also create one of the oldest Englishmen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you know what I'm referring to here? Uh, he was accused of being part of a conspiracy. The Piltdown Man the, oh. was uh, a, uh, a fossilised body that was found uh, in Piltdown, um, near where Doyle played golf. Um, and uh, it was thought to be a missing link. Uh, oh, oh. Um, but it was about 40 years later, people worked out there was just a bunch of bones stuck together. <laughs> it was just a regular old corpse. Um, <laughs> it's just some dead dude. Some dead dude. <laughs> yeah, Wait a second. This skeleton is just a dead dude. <laughs> um, but people thought that it might have been uh, Doyle who did it because he was part of the um, archaeological society as, the, as Charles Dawson who found the skeleton. And also um, because they thought Doyle was trying to like discredit scientists and science because they didn't believe in theories like he Doyle did. did. Yeah. Um, so they thought that this was his way of trying to um, get back at them. Um, however, a recent analysis has proven that it was almost certainly Charles Dawson, who, the one who found it, who also perpetrated the hoax. How, how, how does contemporary analysis tell us that? Does it, was it like Dawson was here, scratched at the It's like he just couldn't help but sign his work. Yeah. Um, so by tracking like where all of the bits of bone mm. came from, um, they concluded that it was Dawson. Because Dawson had a catalogue. Dawson, yes. All his bits of bone. Um, I, look, I'll, I'll, I, I can send you the link. We there. can go back to Wikipedia and see. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our Sherlock Holmes round. Uh, let's go now into our second round of homework. Again, the challenge is to write a piece of fan fiction for a mystery uh, that's important to you. Moata, uh, I call upon you next. <laughs> okay, let me just bring up my thing I'm going to read. So, um... I'm not going to tell you what this is based on. <laughs> I'm just going to drop clues throughout. And hopefully by the end, you will have figured it out. If, if this isn't something like my pizza mouth thing. <laughs> so this is called um, Driving Ms. Dinkley. Fred was behind the wheel again. She had offered countless times over the years to drive for a spell, and neither Fred nor the other one had ever taken her up on it. Fred was fond of referencing her eyesight as the problem. <laughs> it was sort of the point of wearing glasses, wasn't it, so she could see well? Well, she saw him all right. He probably let the dog drive before she was ever allowed in the driver's seat. God, she hated him. Fred was like a chest freezer. A huge white block of a thing that took up an unreasonable amount of space and could probably asphyxiate a small child. <laughs> Fred was in 
entitlement personified. He wandered around blithely unaware of his privilege, suggesting such brilliant ideas as, why don't we split up? <laughs> I don't know, Fred. Maybe because of safety in numbers? Maybe because not everyone in our group is built like a fridge freezer? <laughs> More than that, everyone knew that she was the brains of the operation, but somehow everyone still deferred to Fred as the de facto leader. Fred was, to put it bluntly, a problem. Fred's girlfriend was another story entirely. Pale and like the flower she was named after. Sure, her eyes sometimes seemed to be set at a strange angle. <laughs> Still, the desire to lean in, to bring her face close enough to inhale her like a fragrant flower was sometimes overwhelming. She tugged at her jiggle neck as she felt a flush spread up her neck to her face. Fred had noticed, of course. You okay there, pal? There's a rest area just up ahead if you want to stop for some air. She gritted her teeth. Thanks, Fred. I sure would like that a whole bunch. Fred pulled the van over to a rest area bordering a forest, and the boys and the dog tumbled out, stretching their legs cartoonishly and remarking on the spookiness of the surrounding trees. <laughs> Undeterred, Fred chose a trunk and started pissing against it, probably just because he could. But Fred had left the keys in the ignition. This was her chance. She slid across to the driver's seat and revved the engine. Outside, Fred looked up suddenly from his stream. She also heard a surprised gasp from the back of the van. Buckle up, Daphne. We're taking this mystery machine to Mexico. <laughs> and the van sped out of the rest area with tyres spinning and gravel flying. Velma leaned out the driver's side window and yelled the last thing the rest of the gang would ever hear from her. Jinkies, motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> I think I've worked it out. <laughs> um, thank you, Moata. Um, Andrew. Uh, yes, I've rewritten the ending to the classic Simpsons episode, Who Shot Mr. Burns? <laughs> and uh, I also animated it as well, because why not? And I had it uh, voice acted by the greatest Simpsons impressionist on the internet, Jaden LeBron. Oh my and um, you can watch it. Okay, before, before we play it, um, for, for our podcast listeners, um, if you check in the show notes, uh, you'll see a link to this video. So please uh, check it out. The one who shut me was... Incredible, incredible. Um, <laughs> this will just continue on with my stupid show. <laughs> Can we just watch it again? <laughs> okay, let's do let's do one more let's do one more round. Let's do one more round, uh, and then we'll and then we'll get the uh, dramatic reveal of the scores. Okay, this round is very simple. It's called solved or unsolved. I am going to name a famous mystery, and you just have to tell me whether it's been solved or whether it remains unsolved. 
And by solved, I mean like, has everyone like, generally agreed that there is a spe specific answer to it? Okay. Um, so, first one, Princess Anastasia. Did she survive and escape the Bolsheviks? Solved. There's a film, a film <laughs> she, meets, she meets up with a bat and um, she escapes. Yeah, fine. She's fine. Yeah. Um, next, next one. Okay. Weirdly, weirdly, you're, you're correct. <laughs> it is solved in that, in that they found her body um, oh. along with the, the rest of them. So it's solved. She's dead. Um, <laughs> Wait, that, was he telling me that film wasn't true? <laughs> That's a different animated film. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next, next mystery. The death of Amelia Earhart. Is this solved. solved or unsolved? Solved. I'm just voting solved. Uh, it's unsolved. No. It's unsolved. There's theories, but uh, there's not a, a resolved... Uh, Is this in terms of where... Yeah. Where, like, no one's found the body. Aliens. Okay, mm. I'll just update. I'll just update it to solved. <laughs> <laughs> right click it and then click solved. <laughs> Box check. Do I? <laughs> um, uh, how the pyramids were built? Solved. It was just people. Solved. Yeah. People <laughs> just slaves. Like, like circles. Like yeah. people spent forever going. How how are like these lengths? You know, amounts based on pi, and it's like because they measured it all with circles. Mm. Yes, it is so they worked out how they did it. Yes. Um, <laughs> what was that sound? <laughs> Unsolved. Solved. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Um, how 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 bumblebees fly? Unsolved. Unsolved. Unsolved from. Solved. Solved. Yeah, it's solved. Yeah. Turns out it was physics. Oh, <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic physics. Oh. Eh? Um, the abandonment of the Mary Celeste. Uh, that that oh, boat yeah. that was found abandoned. Un unsolved. Oh, unsolved. Unsolved. I've listed this as solved. Um, okay. They cool. have worked out that there was a, an alcohol leak, which probably were, that caused a fireball that caused people to abandon ship. Um. But wasn't just like stuff left? Like yeah, it we was, all disappeared in our glasses and our glasses and our masks. Because it was alcohol fumes, it was just like a fireball <laughs> that just like went through but didn't yeah. burn anything. Okay. The Voynich Manuscript, the mysterious 15th century manuscript written in a language that no one can translate. Unsolved. Didn't they solve that recently? I thought. If they have, uh, I didn't find okay. it. So it's unsolved. Yep. Okay. Uh, the Sinking of the Titanic. Solved. Great. There's a, there's a film about it. There's a film about it. Yeah. Turns out I had an iceberg. Yeah, there was an iceberg with a giant moustache, and then they took the moustache yeah. off. Those the iceberg all the time. Um, the disappearance of the Australian Prime Minister Harold Holt, who uh, disappeared while swimming. Unsolved. Correct, unsolved. Yeah. What uh, if it was just a rip? Is it solved? Okay, I'll update it again. <laughs> Listen, we're making amazing progress here. Wow, we're doing great. Good work, everyone. It's the calm spot on a surface. Yeah. Never swim there. <laughs> Because the aliens will get you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. that's what, that's why the, the flags are there because the aliens are afraid of flags. Um, and finally, um, why do ducks quacks not echo? That's solved. They do echo. Uh, correct. That was a trick question. 
All right, um, that brings us to the <laughs> solved or unsolved round. I think we did really well. Like, we sorted out a whole Oh, yeah. Mm. Great work. Yeah, yeah. 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 You've, you've, we can be detectives. Mm. <laughs> well, let's find out who is worthy of being a detective. Uh, now, Andrew Todd. I hand it over to you. Am I worthy of being a detective? I thought you were. I thought you were. And then I ruined it. <laughs> I'd like the final scores. The final scores. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna go straight to the final scores. So wait, so so th- these are the final absolute final. Yes. Final underscore three point underscore <laughs> use this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Okay. Dot well. PDF. Well, uh, it was, it was, um, Dorothy L. Slayers were in the lead for most of it, but that last homework round, uh, did, did change things. Could you give it, could you just give it a bit Um, more Yes, so, um, (laughs) Dorothy L. Slayers, uh, is on a total of 52 points. Woo! That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points to get in such a short period of time, uh, while the Columbus Street Irregulars, uh, are on a total of (laughs) 75,053 Points to Jaden for the voice acting. That was just amazing. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take twenty off. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow! Probably the most conclusive victory in <laughs> history. Um, okay, well, folks, that, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of the Nerd Degree. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back some point in the future we try and keep it a little bit mysterious at the moment so it just remains for me to thank uh, Will Burns who has been taking care of all the technical things um, Little Andromeda for hosting us thank you so much um, our amazing moderator Andrew Todd uh, and a, a big round of applause for the team Dorothy L Slayers Aaron Harrington, welcome tomorrow. And our winners, James Cooper, Andrew Keppel, the Columbus Street Regulars. Give a big round of applause. That's our show.